Welcome to the Divorce Reset Podcast. If you're divorced and are ready to move on, you have come to the right place. Divorce probably isn't what any of us dreamed of on our wedding day, but I promise you that if you take the right steps, you can create a new version of Happily Ever After. Come with me and I can show you how to navigate and thrive in this chapter of your life. Break up with your divorce story and make peace with your past. I'm Allison Cole, and you are listening to the Divorce Reset Podcast, episode number three, Resisting Reality. Hello, my friends. I'm so glad you are here. At the time when I'm recording this episode, we are in the weeks leading up to Christmas. And I will usually get my kids an advent calendar, and that's always been part of the fun, the countdown to Christmas. But I'm also thinking a lot about moms and Christmas. And when you're a mom around the holidays, it's easy to put a lot of pressure on yourself around the season. Especially when my kids were little, I found I did this. Um, Oh my gosh. The drama for me around moving the elf on the shelf alone, um, that took an entire game plan. I remember scheduling reminders on my phone, but I'd still forget. It's so funny. My kids would wake me up like at the crack of dawn asking, why hasn't Frosty moved? And I, I just get this surge of panic or adrenaline. And I, I mean, I'm just like, I need my coffee, but I would say he's, he's probably living on North Pole time or he's just chilling or he's liking his view of the tree. Um, I'd just be scrambling, but I, I would always have this fear that I had this responsibility of making this time magical and memorable and I just find that we, I say we, I think I think we as moms often share this expectation and we put pressure on ourselves to make Christmas perfect. But our expectations can sometimes make it stressful, if not exhausting. Because at least for me, I was always trying to curate or design everyone else's experience, but often at the expense of my own. But this year, my kids and I have decided to make Christmas more relaxed. I guess we're just chilling. Maybe it's just them getting older, or maybe it's me getting older. But my perspective on this has shifted. There's something about the days getting shorter and colder. And as people put out their lights, they kind of wrap up all these bushes and trees and parts of their house with these strings of light. I'm sure it's the same for most of us. But you start to notice the contrast between the light and the dark, and also how that contrast, that light, makes the ordinary things that you usually pass by without much thought beautiful. One of my strong intentions for this holiday season is to absolutely feel no obligation to do anything other than to relax and just be present to try to remove any of the have-to-dos and just rest and have fun. My kids and I decided to just put up a few Christmas decorations and lights, and I'm feeling this sense of gratitude, and I'm just feeling this sense of, of deep thankfulness and contentment for so much. And I've decided to create a lot of space in my life to just focus on God's peace and rest as I step into 
this season. Today, we are going to talk about what it means to resist reality. I've been thinking about this a lot recently because the last few months, things where I live have felt kind of chaotic. Here's what happened. In late August, actually on August 29th, the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, the area where I live was in the path of another big storm. This time it was Hurricane Ida. And my kids and I, we stayed in our house during the storm. So we just grabbed all the couch cushions and camped out in the middle of the house in a safe spot. And we waited out the storm. And wow, that felt like a very long night. The winds would come in these bursts and they were really loud and they would get stronger and stronger. And then after the wind would blow, you would hear these crashes or creaking noises. And then the house would shake as trees would fall. And um, my house was surrounded by all of these really tall pine trees, like, oh, I don't know, like 120, 150 foot pine trees. They're just crazy tall. And of course, it's night and you couldn't really see what was happening outside. So all we could do was wait for the storm to pass. When it was finally morning, I realized that nothing had fallen on my house, thankfully, but eight massive trees, those tall pine trees I mentioned, uh, in my yard, had they had fallen and taken out my tool shed, the fence, and unfortunately had fallen on my dear neighbor's patio and pool house. But my yard looked like bombs had gone off. My eldest son he said it looked like a World War II battle had been fought in our backyard. Anyway, I'll post pictures on my social media if you want to see. It's it's really crazy to see everything topsy-turvy. A lot of the trees that had toppled over had been ripped up by the roots. So there were these huge gaping holes everywhere. And these amazing, like the root structure, the root balls of the trees were upended in the air. And uh, it was just kind of surreal. and. Lots of people in my community experienced the storm, and some lost their homes. I certainly was really fortunate not to have one of those big trees fall on my house. But the, the people where I live, we help each other, and that's what folks did. We, we rolled up our sleeves, and we just started trying to sort through the chaos. And about two weeks ago, um, let's say, it's, I would say about like the second week of November, about eight to ten weeks after the storm, I finally got the last bunch of damaged trees removed from my yard. And I still have uh, debris piles in front of my house. By the end of it, I had about 18 trees taken out altogether. um, And all the bushes are gone too. Everything in the backyard of my house has been cleared. And before the storm, my yard was heavily wooded and really private with lots of bushes and foliage for wild birds. I had a huge colony of uh, red birds, probably about two dozen cardinals. Um, I learned recently that a group of cardinals is called a parliament. So I had a parliament of cardinals. I had robins and doves and a pair of bluebirds, lots and lots of birds, also a doe and two fawns. And now all of their habitat has been removed and that's all gone. And a part of me has really had a hard time accepting the situation, the reality of the storm. I mean, intellectually, I'm so thankful that... My kids and I did all right, and I don't have significant damage to my home. But I also have been living with a sense of loss, the loss of a part of my life and environment that I really treasured. And I've been really resisting accepting the situation. 
I've been living under this sort of accepted belief that everything in my life is now harder because of the aftermath of this storm. And I just realized around a week ago that I've been using it as this reason to delay an excuse to sort of check out for a while on doing some things that are really important to me. And I realized that I was thinking that I shouldn't have to deal with this hard thing, that this storm shouldn't have happened. I mean, I really was thinking that, that this shouldn't have happened and, you know, and that I should be handed some kind of hall pass on other things because of the struggle of getting my life back in order after a part of it has been knocked down. I had decided to see the uncertainty of the storm, the chaos afterwards, the, these massive debris piles, the, the loss of my little outdoor sanctuary as a reason that it was okay not to move forward with things, with some things with my kids, some things with me, some things that really matter to me. And while you may not have been in the path of a natural disaster, you may be experiencing a different type of storm. Divorce can feel like a personal hurricane. I remember resisting the thought of getting a divorce for years before we actually got divorced. And when we finally went through it, the upheaval, the, these events can be just a time of total upheaval where the things in your life that you thought would stand forever, your idea of your future, your reality, your marriage, your family, all of your stories about the future and even the past, and then also your community relationships, friends, all of this can be uprooted. And you find that you might be living in the midst of debris. And in order to move forward, you have to figure out a way to clear out everything to make the space needed to start over. And I can just say from experience that there can be a lot of uncertainty, overwhelming anxiety, fear and worry around watching your life and the things and places you treasured be moved or lost. And what we are going to talk about today is how to live with uncertainty, with change, and how arguing with reality and believing that it should be different can create a whole other level of pain when you are dealing with a challenging circumstance, whether it be a hurricane or divorce or illness or other situations or circumstances in your life. When you find that you're resisting reality, there are three steps that can help. The first and most powerful step is just to become aware and to really become aware of what is a circumstance and what is a thought. The author Byron Katie wrote, circumstances are reality. And when you argue with reality, you lose 100% of the time. What she means is that the world presents circumstances to us, facts. And these things are neutral. We choose to interpret them positively or negatively. The goal of our life is not always to turn that frown upside down and to think positively all the time. We think if we can just fix a problem or make the world better or change the way other people behave, then we will be happy all the time. And what happens when we focus our energies on these things, we might fix a problem, what we see as a problem, or get another person to behave a certain way. But then a new problem will emerge, a new annoyance, and we repeat this cycle. And when we try this, we, we basically outsource our emotional well-being to external things, our situation or to other people. Circumstances are things that happen in the world that we don't have direct control over. For example, the weather. I think that would be something we can all understand. We have no control over the weather. But accepting the circumstances in our life 
the way things are doesn't mean that we agree with them. For example, the storm that hit me was was weather. I didn't agree with it. I had a lot of resistance and emotion around it. I had a lot of thoughts. But even if we don't agree, for example, if someone cuts you off in traffic or your boss doesn't give you a promotion or your kids get enough on a test or they they forget to hand in their homework or have a behavior issue um, or somebody you love is ill or dies, no matter how hard or horrible the event, no matter the actions of another person or how terrible the words someone might say to you, The thing that causes us direct emotional pain is our thoughts about it and what we are making it mean. And this is good news because the more we learn to separate our thoughts from our circumstances, the greater freedom we can have. I would suggest that we are living in a fascinating and at times mentally and emotionally challenging time because the last couple of years, we have seen this played out, especially in larger circumstances like a hurricane or national events, the economy, politics, COVID, some of the other situations in which there seems to be so much chaos in the world. And because these are collective events experienced as a group and amplified through news and social media and the opinions of others, it's sometimes hard to sort out the facts from opinions because other people's interpretations and like group think or collective thoughts are often accepted as inarguable facts. And in those moments, it's helpful to stop and just take a deep breath and acknowledge that there are facts in the world and there are thoughts in all of our brains. And again, it's our thoughts about things that are causing us to freak out. And at times, I find it helpful to remember another idea that I've paraphrased from Byron Katie. She said, basically, there are three kinds of business in the world, God's business, my business, and your business. Most of our stress and suffering comes from mentally living outside of our business. So that is often a question I will ask myself when I'm tying myself up in knots. Whose business are you in? And that's when I will realize that it's time to get back in my own mental and emotional lane because I can hand God's business back to God with faith and other people's business back to them because it's theirs. And then understand that it's not what is happening outside of me. It's it's not what is happening in the world that's causing pain. It's what's happening in the space between my ears. And that's what coaching is about, learning to manage your brain in all circumstances. The second step after becoming aware of your thoughts and separating them from your circumstance is to realize that all that has to change is our thinking. Because once you shift your thoughts, which are the only thing you really have any control over, then everything else will shift. Your feelings, your actions, and ultimately your results. For example, when I could step back, and again, this only was recent, I think I was just so in, in basically in the soup that of the storm, but when I could step back and realize that my thought that this is really too hard for me about the hurricane damage was making the situation so much harder for me. I was grumpy with my kids. I was buffering by being on my phone too much and watching Netflix. I was procrastinating, eating junk, all the things that we do as humans. And then I decided to take a couple of steps back and really ask myself, what are you making this mean? And I was making it mean that I didn't have to deal with other hard things or make decisions because of the storm. And as I mentioned earlier, when you argue with reality, reality wins 100% of the time. To begin, I asked myself, what is working for me? And I made a list 
And it was interesting to see how much lighter and more spacious I began to feel as I listed all the things that were working for me. I began to feel grateful. I'll tell you, gratitude is the secret sauce. And I also started to think with gratitude about all the people, all the linemen, the tree removal guys, the first responders, and all that they had been doing, and especially in the month after the storm in triple-digit heat. And that shifted my idea of hard. And I thought about the people who had lost their homes or lives, and that shifted my focus off myself, and I began to feel a greater reservoir of compassion. And I also thought of all the people who showed up from other areas of the country to help. And while I didn't shift into feeling like I was lucky to be dealing with my situation, I did start to loosen up my thoughts and calm my brain down. But I, I do want to add something because I, I did try this like after the storm, like I made a list with my kids of all the things, you know, to be thankful for, no trees on the house and, you know, all, all the things I just mentioned, I, I did try. And I don't think you can force gratitude. I think it works best when you give it space, when you give yourself space, when you acknowledge that you feel crappy and you just allow yourself all the truth. And then it's almost like you can remove that debris pile. And once you make that space, it feels, at least for me, like gratitude and compassion, including compassion for yourself, will enter into that space. What's interesting is my kids moved there so much more quickly than I did, but it was so funny because a few hours after the storm passed, when it the morning dawned and when it got light, my kids and I, we went into the backyard. I was a little stunned, but I also had this sort of immediate reaction of being so relieved that not none of the huge trees have fallen on my house with my kids and me in it. And it really is only when that cleanup work started and the expense and the inconvenience started that I, I really began to be attached to my story around things being too hard. But my kids, though, they love the result of the storm. My son was excited because our entire backyard had been cleared out. It's all gone. So he instantly envisioned all the things he could do now with all that space. And my daughter, who is uh, 16, she saw the concrete slab where our tool shed used to stand. And and she said, um, she said instantly that she was going to park her car there, even though she didn't at that point yet have her license or access to a car. And they stepped so quickly into the possibility. In retrospect, it's a beautiful lesson for me. And while it wasn't immediately available to me, I'm trying to practice that perspective. The lovely thing about thought work is you can try thoughts on like shoes and see how they feel. Sometimes a thought that looks lovely on paper, it just isn't sturdy enough to get you to where you need to go. Other times it's just too high. You can't hardly stand in it, let alone move forward with it. It's just not practical. It won't support you or allow you to move forward. It doesn't work. And that's what I encourage my clients to do. Like they may have a goal Let's just, let's just talk about like a financial goal, like getting completely out of debt. But the gap between where they're at now and where they want to go, it's, it's too big of a gap. So what you start with are thoughts that create a bridge between where you're at now and where you want to go. And it's just like shoes. Put on the ones that get you to the next point 
and then you can try on new ones and you can strengthen yourself. You can get in the habit of doing this work and it will truly transform your life. But I do want to say whatever the storm in your life, choose the thoughts that work for you. The thoughts that work for me, the thoughts that people post on Instagram, they may not be the ones. Now I've shared some of the ones that worked for me in this instance, but you need to pick your own. And also to know when it's time to rest or when it's time to lean on others for help. And that leads me to the third step. Recognize that you have gone through an experience that may take time to process. People handle events differently. Many people may experience uncertainty, upheaval, and chaos as trauma. They may constantly be reacting in a fight or flight way, and this creates stress. And when you experience ongoing stress, for example, perhaps during a protracted divorce or the overwhelm of creating a new single life or the sudden responsibilities of single parenting, you can get tired and worn down. And if this is you, give yourself permission to let your nervous system heal through rest. Give yourself time and space, just like you would if you had a cold. There is a time for rest, a time to allow your heart and your body to heal, and to practice compassion or speaking kindly to yourself to stop judging yourself and to recognize that when you've gone through a hard season of your life and weathered a storm, that allowing yourself that time may be the best thing you can do to connect with your future self. So what are some practical tips on how you can do this? I, from personal experience, and again, you just have to try on these things, just like we talked about trying on shoes, but I would suggest limiting your input from the news and social media. I always notice after I've spent time consuming news that I feel tired and definitely more tense or worried. And even if I try to coach myself around it, I still feel like it's an unnecessary struggle for me sometimes. Like my energy could be devoted to something better. And sometimes my brain just wants to check out by scrolling, but then I'll see something. And before I know it, it'll have like an emotional response. For the last few years, I've tried to set some boundaries for myself around the news, and sometimes it works, and other times I get swept up in the news cycle. Maybe try resting or taking a break or limiting your contact with someone who may be always focused on the negative. People process things completely differently, and for some people, talking about something hard can help, but if it's just spinning in place and you find after talking to them that you are drained, you may just need to create some space so that you can restore yourself. Another thing that is helpful is not to overestimate what you can get done. Some days you may wake up with energy and focus and get everything done. I mean, those are great days. I always find that I do that right before I leave town. Like if we have a vacation, I get everything on my to-do list done. Plus, it's kind of amazing. Plus cleaning the house, deep cleaning. It's, it's nuts. Or if I'm going to have house guests, that's another time for some reason my, my energy kicks in and my focus. But other times particularly when we are dealing with a situation that we think is hard or overwhelming, it might be a time to think smaller. Well, the list for the day might be washing your face, walking the dog, watching a movie with your kids or a friend. It's a time to learn to have compassion for yourself. In closing, I I just want to give you permission to rest if you need it and to give yourself enough space and quiet to listen to your own thoughts. To God, if you are a person of faith, and to spend some time with your thoughts and yourself. And once you get clarity about your thoughts, to let go of those things that aren't working for you. One way that sometimes I tune into thoughts is because I will just be feeling an emotion. It could be, for example, like sort of a dull anxiety or maybe a worry. And then I'll just ask myself, why am I feeling this? And then I'll start, my brain will start to say, oh, it's because you're thinking about this or 
this situation, you know, but I'll always ask myself, well, what are my thoughts about this situation? So it's just asking yourself these questions. And, and this is what I do with clients. This is why coaching is so invaluable because you basically have another person who can sit beside you and just help you witness your thoughts. And again, the trick is to start to let go of those things that aren't working for you. I look forward to seeing you next week. And if you know of others who could benefit from this podcast, please share this with them. And if you would like to get some free resources or know about upcoming free classes, new podcasts, or other ways to connect with me, please go to my website. It's allisonmcole.com. That's uh, A-L-L-Y-S-O-N-M-C-O-L-E. And please check out the show notes because I have some extra goodies there for you to enjoy. Bye, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to the Divorce Reset Podcast. Would you please help others to find this podcast by subscribing and leaving a five-star review? And if you would like some free tools to help accelerate your divorce recovery, please check out the links in the show notes or head over to Instagram, where you can find me at Allison M. Cole. That's A-L-L-Y-S-O-N-M-C-O-L-E or hashtag The Divorce Reset. And please tune in next week. Between now and then, remember that everything is working for you. And don't forget that you are stronger than you know and braver than you can imagine. See you next week.